Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,187. Today, put on your motorcycle helmet, your boots and gloves, because we're going to go for a fun ride. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm, uh, well, I'm across the pond again in London, England, with a very special guest by the name of Alan Adouds. Alan, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am very much ready to go, Mark. Let's do it. We're going to have some fun here. Now, riding motorcycles, though, through the streets of London maybe not be the best solution. We might need to get on out to the countryside <laughs> and go for a ride. But, uh, you know, that would be quite a wonderful thing to do. But before I give you a proper introduction, and we talk about your life and a wonderful new book that you've uh, put together. What's one mm -hmm. little thing that maybe people don't know about Alan Dowds? Hey, yes, I don't know if it's, an un it's, not as un it's not as unusual now as it used to be, but I don't eat meat. I've been a vegetarian since 1987, which oh. is quite a long time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that might be might be a bit unexpected, but yeah, no, stuck with it all these years. And, uh, I'm curious, how has that changed, or did you, how long did it take for you to notice a change, uh, specifically in your health, I would assume, because that's what why many people are vegetarians, uh, and I've got family members, but uh, how has that affected you? Have you seen improvements? you feel better, more energy? It's such a long time ago now, and I think when you're, I was 16 at the time, and when you're 16, oh, you, wow. you, you, you're full of energy anyway, aren't you? So I was seeing a girl at the time, and she was vegetarian, and uh, I gave it a go, and uh, it's stuck ever since. So there you go. Well, I have a, a daughter-in-law who is a vegetarian, and whenever she's over here, we always cook those types of meals, and I've, I've always yeah. found them delicious and wonderful. And I tell you, if you told me tomorrow I couldn't eat any more probably red meat and pork, I'd probably go, eh, that's okay. Yeah, I love yeah. fish. Fish is something that I really enjoy eating, so I'm not sure I could give that up. But Healthy as well, yeah. Yeah, I would hope so. You know, we have a lot of fish here in the Northwest, but uh, mm. uh, I think it's a, a great thing. So let me give you a proper introduction. Alan Dowds is a freelance motorcycle photo journalist. He started writing and reading bike magazines in Scotland. <laughs> There's the accent. In the late <laughs> 1980s. In 1995, he started running his own fanzine, A5 format magazine in Glasgow and then got his start in motorcycle news in England in 1997. So he's been doing this for a while. Alan worked where uh, worked there as a news reporter for two years and then moved to Ride Magazine as Road Tester, Road Test Editor. <laughs> That's a fun job. After moving to London in 2001, he worked at Superbike Magazine as Deputy Editor and stayed there for the next decade. And then in 2011, Alan went freelance. And as he calls himself jack-of-all-trades freelancer, he now works as a writer, a photographer, and video producer. And his new book is titled BMW Motorcycles 100 Years and is published by my good friends at Motor Books. We'll learn more about Alan and his book, but first we're going to pull into the pits here, take a break. So uh, sit tight, keep your helmet on, keep your gloves on because they're going to be twisting the wrist in just a moment. We'll be right back. <laughs> I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now, and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's mat store is now part of the 
Covercraft family of products. Car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, all-weather mats, velour techs, Berber, classic loop carpet, and they're proudly made in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush, anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at Lloyd'sMatStore.com, you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D. M-A-T-S-S-T-O-R-E.com, Lloyd'sMatStore.com, Covercraft and Lloyd's Mats, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green and Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. Fall is here and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail order catalog company grew into a multi-website based e-commerce store and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. So, Alan, you obviously love motorcycles. So let's kind of take a walk back through your past before we talk about what you're doing today in this wonderful new book, which is just mm. awesome, perfect in time for the holidays. Motorcycles, how did you first get into bikes, and what do they mean to you? Hey, I mean, right back in the very early days when I was 17, I had a, I had a nighttime job, and uh, get, getting to and from wasn't so easy. I didn't have, I didn't drive a car at the time. There was no bus. And a guy I worked with, Eddie, he, he had a, a Honda Super Dream 250, and he used to give me a lift on the back of that. And within, you know, the first the first 
ride on it. I thought this is for me. This this has to be the the, the way forward. So uh, so Eddie got me a motorbike. Got got me into got me a one two five learner bike, and I passed my test. I, I was at university at the same time to do my degree in communication studies. And over the next couple of years, you know, I was studying the media journalism, publishing, and at the same time, I was reading uh, the motorcycle magazines of the time, early 1990s. So you're talking about performance bikes, bikes, superbike, and I think at that time, those magazines were at their peak in so many ways. You know, there were so many great people working there. They were making really, really incredible journalism. And uh, I just saw it and thought, that's for me. You know, I've I've got to, um, how, how do I do this? exciting lifestyle is <laughs> the right. question and uh, you know travelling the world riding new motorbikes you know writing about them and uh, it was just it was the perfect it was a dream job for me if you like and, yeah. uh, the next the next job was to get there and do it and uh, th- that's what we've done well, you know, you're you're living the dream life, and that's what Cars Yeah is all about. People that have wrapped their passion for bikes, motorcycles, cars, trucks into their careers and lives. And the fact that you figured out how to do that at a very young age uh, is very commendable because a lot of people, you know, they listen to their peers or parents or whatever. Oh, go get a real job, right? <laughs> and uh, you yeah, can do yeah. that on the side, but you just said, nope, this is going to be for me. And, you know, you sent me some pictures of yourself uh, on some bikes. Uh, oh, yeah. You obviously yeah. know how to ride because you're doing some wheelies <laughs> on some pretty big bikes. You know, motorcycles are so much fun. I rode motorcycles back in junior high and high school, off-road dirt bikes. Yeah. And then I kind of got out of them and I got back into them some years ago and hmm. thought I'd go full bore. So I bought a crazy bike, an MV Agusta F4. Oh, nice. And a 750 Ducati Monster. And uh, yeah, two really fun. I mean, I'm I'm kind of into stuff's got to look cool, you know. So, mm. but there was oh, a, definitely yeah. there was a BMW motorcycle dealership across the street from my office, and I used to go over there, and they'd let me ride some of their bikes. Uh, BMW bikes to me are, are now you have to maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I thought uh-huh. of them as almost the Rolls Royce of motorcycles because you get on their big touring bikes, and they are just delicious. I mean, mm. and then the GS bikes. You can ride them anywhere, go anywhere. You and McGregor in that great yeah. series he did showed us that. So let's talk about this book because you cover a wide swath, a hundred years of BMW. And I mean, this book is 239 pages. It's 10 by 12. Mm-hmm. It's massive, but it's a lot yeah. more than just a coffee table picture book. You've got a lot of details. So let's walk you. Th- I mean, how long did it take, first of all, to put this book together? It's massive. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I spoke to the guys at, at Motorbooks in about April 2021, I think. And this is, okay, let, let's go. And we, 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 we hatched a plan. We put a brief together and uh, we got the structure out. And this is, okay, we need to buy the end of the year, and you think, oh, that's so much time, you know, that'll, that's that's more than enough time. So, of course, you do nothing for three months. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, the first thing I did was make a spreadsheet with, you know, the dates and then the number of words required, and I quickly fell behind with that. But it, it was a really interesting job because I've been a journalist since the mid-1990s, and I've been a motorcyclist since the late 1980s. So I think I knew BMW's story really well, BMW's motorcycle story. I knew really well from 1985 till today, you know. So I was very, very comfortable with telling that story from my own experience and so I'd been there and seen it. But before that, I, I didn't have much, you know. It was, it was you're thinking, God, what, what was BMW doing in the 1950s? I don't really know. And so it was a case of, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of background reading and getting down the library and going on eBay and picking up, you know. I think BMW had a really, really good 
corporate history book, which was really, really detailed and covered, you know, all the aspects of the company side. They've also got an excellent archive website, and that covers all the all the bikes. You know, so each model has got a picture. It's got all the details and the specs. So that was really, really useful. So I think I spent the first, you know, sort of six weeks, two months just reading and thinking and making notes, working out, you know, the early part of the story, if you like, because... Um, I mean, the, the story is intertwined with so much, you know, world history as well. I mean, BMW started after World War One. Uh, you know, they, they were an aircraft engine maker. Treaty of Versailles meant that they couldn't make aircraft engines anymore. You know, Germany was, you know, in the in the toilet. You know, the place was destroyed. The economy was was all over the place. And uh, they said that one of the things they could make was motorcycles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's almost by chance that that was. Uh, that, that was what came about. And, uh, I mean, those early days were tough. And then you, you, you read about, you know, between the wars, things were getting on an even keel, and, and then Hitler appears, and the Nazis, and World War Two, and it's, oh, the pl- everything's destroyed again after World War Two. you know? So it, it's, it's such an interesting story in the wider context as well. The number of years the bike's been around and it's quite amazing and you walk through the history and how they evolved and of course then the bw motor our motor car company came about and so forth which i've been a big fan of but one of the neat things about your book is you've got wonderful photographs which is always fun for those of us who are visual but a lot of details a lot of specs i see it as a great reference book in many ways yeah. yeah yeah for people to go back and learn and see things and and what i learned is about a lot of bikes i didn't even know about <laughs> i didn't know they did that or that bike existed because there's some key bikes that you see at motorcycle shows or bikes that have survived but there's so many yeah. bikes in their yeah. history that haven't so uh, let's do this we'll play a little game here when you okay. think about bikes oh, <laughs> that are pre let's say pre-1960 as you're in your study here was there a bike that Stood out to you that kind of surprised you? Hey, I think the full swing range of bikes in the 1950s when they had the Eros fork front end and the sort of swing arm rear suspension, but still almost a plunger type frame. You know, looking at those now, they look almost like modern bikes, but but there's just something a bit off about them. And it's the front end, and it's looking back and thinking, wow, that's, you know, the a very, very heavy, a very over-engineered front end. It seems that was one of the things that BMW was done, is they've done things differently, haven't they? They don't follow the same path as everyone else. On purpose, I think, you know, sometimes. So it's funny looking at those and going, wow, that's, you know, heavy, heavy engineering in terms of the chassis. And um, the the no-compromise nature as well, you know, there's... The shaft drive was there, you know, they, they wouldn't step away from it. The boxer engine was there. They, they weren't interested in trying anything else, you know. And even when they were going racing against, you know, the, the British at the time, the, the Nortons and, and the Triumphs, they were they, would, they stuck to their principles, you know. So there was no chain drive. There was no, you know, trying to make a, a parallel twin upright, you know. It was just, this is what we do. And uh, we're starting to it. And one of the most interesting things I found, was that um, I was reading about the racing history, and there's a little bit in the book about BMW's racing history on two wheels, but there's not a lot because I think you know that those compromises meant that they struggled a lot in, in solo motorcycle racing, certainly. But um, I, I discovered that, which I didn't know, that between 1955 and 1974, I think they won every single sidecar world championship. 
<laughs> which yeah yeah we, we, they had the boxing engine they had the shaft drive i mean they, they worked them hard they, they developed fuel injection mechanical fuel injection systems you know and just uh, every single title bmw bmw and, and i i I had no idea about that at all. And it was just, again, an interesting little niche that, that the BMW was doing all that time. Yeah. Well, you think about the design of the bike with that engine design, low weight. And yeah. those sidecar bikes are all about trying to stay low, you know, low. I yeah, was, low I, was, <laughs> I always look at the guys that would, I think they called them the monkeys that would bounce back and forth to balance it out. Who would pick yeah, that passengers, job? Yeah, oh, passengers, yeah. You have to be yeah. certified to, to, to do that. So, yeah, no, that's a, yeah, maybe the only other crazier guys are the guys that race Isle of Man. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine that. Well, and then you take us all the way into the – the edges of the future, and let's go into, mm. uh, I'll use the words EV, because this is a word that some people go, Ugh, other people get excited <laughs> about, and motorcycle guys go, why would you want to ride something that makes no noise? However, you know, it's coming, it's being, whether it's being forced down our throats or it's being accepted, a combination yeah. of all the above. Your book takes us into a bit of the future as well, yeah. which is kind of cool. So talk about your exploration there. I, I mean, you're coming from the car world and you know very well how electric vehicles are, are being very successful there. And it's much more difficult with two wheels because cars can cars have got the space and, and the mass overhead, if you like. So you can hide 500 kilos and, you know, something the size of three large suitcases. You, you can hide that under the floor of a car quite right. easily. It doesn't affect things too much. But if you're making a sports bike or... Even as you say, the GS, you know, if you want something that can travel for 150, 200 miles and with 100 horsepower, you know, the battery pack needed for that is too heavy and too large to, to fit onto a motorcycle at the moment, you know, without, yeah. without making the motorcycle impossibly heavy. So it's it's not, I don't see a simple, straightforward path for high performance electric motorcycles at the moment. You know, mm. I mean, if, if you want to ride around town, Perfect, you know, BMW sells the CE4 electric scooter at the moment. It uses technology from the i3 car, you know, and it's, it's, it looks good, it's funky, it's aimed at, aimed at the kids, I suppose. And, uh, you know, if you walk 10 miles away in the centre of London and you want to get there with an EV, then uh, that would be perfect, I would think. But, um if you want to ride across Mongolia, yeah, it might be, bike. might be trouble to find a place to charge that thing. Yeah, so it's, it's, there's no... At the moment, there's no obvious simple pathway for electric motorcycles at the high end, that's, it seems to me. So, I mean, if anyone can do it, you know, BMW is going to be up there with its... The, the advantage they have with the, the, the car company right next door, you know, I was at the factory this summer and speaking to a few people and they say, yeah, you know, we're, we're always... We're always working, not working together with, but getting ideas from the car side and engineers move from one side to the other and right. it's really useful for them to do that. So... Yeah, I mean, watch this space for 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 BMW and. Well, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's going to be there. It, it has to mm. be there, I mm. think. Uh, it's <laughs> a, almost a requirement, it seems like, these days. You know, when you think about your motorcycle passion and your life and your career, mm. I would mm. assume there's uh, been somebody who's been what I like to call a driving inspiration, a mentor, an influencer in your life. Has there been somebody like that that's really stood out and helped you? That's, that's a, great, a great question. Um I think there's been a lot of people. I mean, I think I've, I've worked at a few places. So uh, when I started out with my own magazine, I set up with a friend, Alan Smith, up in Glasgow, and, and we had a really good team 
feel between us there. You know, we worked really well together. And then when I became, so I moved into professional journalism, working for EMAP as it was at the time at Motorcycle News. You know, the the editor there was Adam Duckworth at the time, and you know, he, he gave me my first job. And you know, obviously, you're learning all the time off these guys when you're just starting out. And then uh, at Ride Magazine, the editor was Tim Thompson again. You know, a, a great journalist to watch and learn from. And Superbike, my editor was Kenny Pride. Again, you know, a good a good friend as well as someone to learn from. Yeah, nice. There's been, there's been a lot of these people. I think that one of the one of the first inspirations I had was a, a guy called John Robinson, and he was a technical editor at Performance Bikes in the, in the 1990s. And he was it was a lovely man. But when I finally met him, you know, he was a lovely man, but he was so clever and he was so gifted at writing and explaining technical issues on, on motorcycling and you know I, he wrote some books which you know I, I, I bought and loved and every month you were waiting for John Roberts' articles and uh, you know if, if I had to name someone in, in the motorcycle journalism world that you really looked up to he he, he would be the one I think yeah. he's, he's, a bit like, he's a bit like Kevin Cameron I suppose some similar yeah, fortunate. In the US. Fortunate yeah. to be around so many great people. We'll pull in and yeah. take another quick pit stop. We come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some challenges you face. So, uh, again, keep the helmet on, keep the gloves and boots on. Uh, so, if we go down, we'll be okay. I don't think we're going to, though. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars Yeah for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or type in RENEW12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to Linkage mag.com again use the code renew6 or renew12 to get that special deal do it before december 31st 2022 so that in 2023 you'll get six issues of linkage magazine instead of four did you know that less than three percent of all automotive technicians in the u.s are women you may not be surprised but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Cars yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. All right, so Alan, I like to ask people about challenges in their lives, their careers. Maybe it's a big challenge you faced in putting this book together, but what did that challenge or that obstacle teach you so you can move forward? So when you look back, you go, you know, that was tough, but I sure learned a great lesson there. This is a tricky one. I mean, I, I think I've been quite blessed. I've, I think I've had an easy life in some ways. <laughs> hey, challenges, I, I mean, I was in Iceland last week riding off-road bikes, and that was a challenge. And, and, 
and uh, I, th- I think you mentioned earlier that one one of the one of the rules is just to keep going, isn't it? You know, you get your, you get your head down, and you go, oh, bloody hell! You know, we, we, we've got this big ride ahead of us. We've got this big job ahead of us. I've got to write fifty thousand words for this book by the end of next week, and you just have to. You've got to get yourself in the mood, sit down, get get a coffee. And just get it done. You know, there's no right. I, I don't have any magic answers. I don't think. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've interviewed so many writers, and one of the things mm. I hear from hundreds of them actually, and one of the things that many of them say, and it it works for any kind of uh-huh. work, is you just have to start. And if you're a writer, you have to write every day. Just force yourself. Oh yeah. There's some days yeah, you don't yeah. want to. It's it's like being a racer, I guess, on a motorcycle. Some days you don't feel like getting on the bike, but you got to yeah. get on it and go out there and do it. It's like exercise or anything. Yeah, if I could find the answer to procrastination, I would be a very wealthy <laughs> man, I think. But, you know, you, in, in some ways, I think the problem sometimes is when you've got time to do a job, you go, well, I've got time, so yeah. I wouldn't do it until I would do it until I need to do it. And that's, I don't know. But, but, but I think that gives you the creative pressure as well, you know, so you're, you're sitting in the morning, you go, right, I've got till tomorrow to do this, so let's, okay, and you do nothing till the evening, and then the evening is a, a mad frenzy, and you get in the zone, and and then it's done before you know it quite often, so, yeah, yeah. no, I think the, the creative pressure from a, a deadline is, is the answer to procrastination. Well, it kind of makes sense. I had a friend once say to me, and he's a very wealthy guy, and he said, you know, Mark, there's, right. there's a couple problems in life. Time is one of them. You either yeah. have too much or not enough. <laughs> and and yeah, both yeah. of those things create challenges. And he said the same thing yeah. about money. He said money mm. is the okay. same way. If you have not enough, it's a problem. And if you have too much, it's a problem. And I said, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean having too much money is a problem? And he said, well, <laughs> because then you got to figure out how to keep it and how to make oh, it grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes, you, get, you get used to it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it becomes a burden um, in a way, although you can hire people, but then you got to make sure they're not pilfering their part off the top. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but I, I look at time as the real challenge for everybody because as yeah. we get older, time becomes, uh, it seems like you get, you have less and less, which is... Mm. So let's talk about a special bike in your life. You've ridden so many bikes and yeah. had so much Lucky. fun on bikes. Is there one that you've either owned or you've maybe ridden or aspired to own that really stands out for you? I mean, this is one of those things which at the time it didn't seem like a big deal because this was, it was 2005, I think. So I was at Superbike Magazine. As you see, I was I was on press launches every month. You know, you were riding bikes, you were traveling the world. And at the time, I just went, oh, that would be cool. And it was a Honda MotoGP test mm. in Sepang in Malaysia, the, the Sepang circuit. And it was the end of the season, so it was an invite to go and ride uh, it was Nicky Hayden's V5 GP bike. Oh, my God. And uh, Danny Pedroza's 252 stroke. So, yeah, I thought that's great. And as I get older and look back, you know, that, that was one of the great, great trips wow. that I did. You know, and it was, you know, it was in Sepang, an amazing track in, in Malaysia. And um, very, very hot, very, very humid, you know. So quite a lot of pressure before you go Honda UK flew us out in business class which is always nice you know and there's a real there was a buzz about the, about the experience at the time and I think I got five laps on the on the MotoGP bike you know so you, you're going around this track holy thinking, cow don't crash don't crash yeah, don't crash don't crash <laughs> you're thinking but you don't you don't want to go too slow either do you you've got to keep the slicks warm you're, you're trying to look good for the camera <laughs> yeah this was before you had to worry about 
GoPros on your helmet and all that. So I suppose that was one thing less to worry about, you know. But it was just, you know, you're just riding this. This is the best bike in the world, I suppose. It's the best race bike in the world, you know. It's it's the thing which Honda's put all its wisdom into and that Nicky Hayden's developed. And, you know, just, just a sublime thing to ride around. Oh, my gosh. Around. You must have pinched yourself. Well, how did I get here? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly that. And then, but then the, the 250 was even more special, I think, because it's such a... Yeah, I mean, two, at the time, you knew two strokes were on their way out. So this was a you know the, the finest, the, the peak of two-stroke motorcycle racing technology, I guess. Yeah. And we only got three laps on that. That was even more um, special and exotic and unusual. So riding around a big, massive track. You Quite know, fine. And, and, and those events, you get a lot of track time to yourself, you know, so you've almost... You don't see anyone else because there's one bike around. You're on it, you know, and it's a real. It's hard to explain just how special it feels at the time, and just when you look back, you go, "Wow, I'm I'm a, I'm a lucky man." Yeah. <laughs> oh, what fun! Yeah, magical moments. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be your motorcycle psychologist here today. I'm going to crawl. Oh, right, into okay. your, yeah, I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here, Alan. Could be, could be a scary place. We'll see. Uh, if you were rein, I always say reincarnated as a pun, but rein motorcycleated is that even a word? I don't uh-huh. think so, but I'll make it up. Uh, re, I'm the writer today. Rein motorcycle. If you were you were manifest as a motorcycle. Now this isn't what you yeah, want to yeah. be. This is how you perceive your inner self as a bike okay yeah what would you be and why well i suppose it should be a bmw shouldn't it because of the because of the subject matter of the podcast so, so i'll say a bmw okay and i'm thinking probably an older gs no not a new one because i'm old and i'm a bit wrinkled at the ages of course <laughs> as, as we all are you look pretty young from my side of the fence dude <laughs> oh you're a lovely man mark what, what a nice that's, a, that's an old picture i sent you <laughs> But yeah, no, I, just, I think you know, something, something useful gets the job done, you know, plugs away, maybe isn't the most glamorous, isn't, you know, isn't at the top of, top of the crowd shouting his head off, but just, you know, in the background a little bit, doing the best job you can and just and just getting, getting things done. Yeah. I think that's what I would say. You know, I mentioned uh, long ago where I used to work, there was a BMW motorcycle dealership across the street and my window looked out and in the Pacific Northwest here, much like London, we get some rain in, uh-huh. the, in the winter time, in the spring and and. You would see the bikes up here in the Northwest kind of go away when the weather turned. But I would see every day a guy in a GS pull into that parking lot and ride up. It could be dumping rain. And (laughs) I just go, those guys have it figured out. And I mentioned yeah, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor and his yeah. his documentaries on his bikes and so forth of riding those things around the world. Yeah, they they just get the job done. Kind of like old Land Rovers, Range Rovers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, awesome. <laughs> well, nice way to answer that book. Now, uh, or that question, I should say, um, I'm thinking about your book. Back to books, I'm going to put a link to how you listeners can get your hands on Alan's book. You know, I tell you, even if you're not into bikes, this is kind of a good starter book for you because it covers one of the best brands of bikes out there. Now, some people are rolling their eyes right now, but love BMW bikes. (laughs) Uh, But is there another book maybe you can share with us that, um, you know, I could add to your list of reading requirements? I would probably think, if you're talking about motorcycle books, I would say that the John Robinson books I mentioned earlier, he, he did some books about two-stroke tuning, four-stroke tuning, and chassis tuning. And they're not, you know, they're not sort of fun sit-down-and-read books, but I think reading them gives you a real basic understanding of what your bike's doing, you know, and what, what's behind your bike. I mean, they're a little bit out of date now. I mean, I mean, John John died a good few years ago now, sadly. But, you know, even even 
given that they're, they're fantastic books to just understand the fundamentals of what's going on yep. inside the engine and, and with the chassis in terms of, in terms of other books uh, the, the books i read quite a lot it's the patrick o'brien master and commander series that's ah. just uh, I love those books, and there's, there's about 20 of them, and you can go around and read. <laughs> Once you finish, you can go back to start again. Just a fantastic, fantastic historical sort of fiction set around the Napoleonic Wars with the Royal Navy and the early American Navy as well. So those are my that would be my recommendation for a fun read. Sounds cool. I love it. I'll put links to those on Alan's show notes page. So, Alan, before I let you go today, I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate ride. Now, you've been on many ultimate rides. You mentioned one there when you went to uh, Japan and rode those uh, wonderful MotoGP bikes. If I could park any bike in your garage and allow you to take it for a ride anywhere, and maybe I park two bikes so a friend could go with you versus putting someone on a bike with you because a lot more fun to be on a bike by yourself. What does that uh, ultimate ride look like for a guy like you who's ridden so many cool bikes? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's actually one ride that me and me and a friend, uh, Scott Grimsdale, who is the he's, he's a marketing manager at BMW UK. Actually, we always spoke about we would get some BMW K1600 tourers, and we would ride to the Kubinka Tank Museum in Moscow in Russia because oh. we knew we both like military history and we, we, we were having a beer one time and says that'll be the trip you know we'll do it we'll do it next year we'll do it the year after yeah yeah we'll just ride these bikes yeah. and I think it's like two or three thousand miles to, to Moscow and back and sadly that's not going to happen anytime soon I don't think but uh, that, that was one of the ones that we thought that'd be just fantastic you know ride, ride these big BMW tours to, to this I mean, this legendary tank museum which, which we both want to go and see <laughs> I think that would be cool. Well, you got to find some time to do that, dude. One thing I've learned after interviewing so many people, and especially people who have been up there in years, is go do these dream rides while you still yeah. can, because time is fleeting. We mentioned that mm. before, so <laughs> there you go. You know, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, Alan, and I'm so grateful no, that, that our mutual friend Steve Roth at the Cordo Group, uh, who published this wonderful book known as Motor Books, uh, connected us today. So, Steve, you brought me another great guest. Steve's a legend. He He's really great. Yeah, he's awesome. And, and I'll tell you, Corto Group, Corto Group. Uh, you got. I'll put a link to them too. They have so many wonderful books on automotive cars, yeah, motorcycles, tractors. Know. I mean, it's just everything. Um, and books outside of the realm. They got all sorts of stuff. So check them out. Before I let you go today, Alan, would you share a uh, success quote, words of inspiration for our listeners out there? <laughs> just get it done. As, as we said before, just get it done. <laughs> get it done. That's that's the bottom line, isn't it? That's, that's what you've got to do. Kind of goes back to the Nike quote, just do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, how many, boy, That's that's got to be the winning writing quote. I sure hope the guy that wrote that got paid something decent for that one because uh, <laughs> that's been used by everybody. But yeah, just get it mm. done. You know what? Just get mm. up, get out there and do it. If you want to get into riding motorcycles, go oh, ride yeah. one. I mean, there's great schools. When I, when I got back into riding, I took my safety course so that, and I'm glad I did that because I think it saved me many times, yeah. uh, you know, because I'd ridden only dirt bikes, not on the streets and the streets are a whole another uh uh, no whole nother realm uh, yeah steady away got to be careful absolutely how can people learn more about you alan hey i've got a website alandouds.com hey, I'm, I'm on twitter at alan Dowds. Hey, instagram facebook all, all the usual spots but, yeah. but you know i, I, I write in fast bikes magazine each month uh, i work for classic motorcycle mechanics you know so you'll see me rounding about 
I'm, I'm here, there, and everywhere. Here, there, and everywhere, and down the road. <laughs> uh, again, that's Alan Dowds, D-O-W-D-S, Alan Dowds. Check him out. Uh, check out the book. You know, holidays are coming. If you've got a friend who loves bikes, this makes a Perfect spectacular gift. gift. Oh, my Perfect. gosh. Yeah, uh, you're going to love it yourself, too. So buy yourself, too. One for you, one for your buddy. Alan, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise. No, thank and, you. Yeah, you're welcome. This was a lot of fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Bye, bye. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.